just want to acknowledge the fact that there's probably a lot of us this morning that are in different places in our hearts. And so um, yesterday I was visiting a, a new couple to the church that um, has had some unforeseen things happening with their baby. They just had a, a baby, which is super exciting. And yet this is not how they foresaw the, the next few weeks or month or however long it is play out. And so uh, what I think is so powerful about that is they're choosing, despite their circumstances, to praise God. And, and that's what I want this morning is for whatever you're going through to choose God because he's, he's the answer. We don't have it together, but he does. And so let's sing that praise him with me this morning. And I cast my mind to Calvary. Where Jesus fled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed
just get excited one more time for Jesus. Yeah. Isn't that great? Woo! Sounds good, guys. Hey, I just want to say we're glad you're here. We're really thankful for you and really just excited what God's going to do in this place today. And so uh, if you're brand new with us, please find us at the Next Steps area as you leave that gigantic blue sign in the lobby. We want to connect with you. We want to know your story. And we have something for free, which is really good. And we also have some really cool highlights that I want to share in just a moment. But I want to invite Pastor Ken up to do something that we love to do here. We love to celebrate our babies. Come on up, Pastor Ken. Right, this morning we're going to have a, a baby dedication. We have two families in our church this morning that are coming to dedicate their babies. Can we just thank God for that this morning? What, a, what an awesome God. Um, today, Keenan and Emily Agler are bringing Lee Lynn. So if they'll come up and bring Lee Lynn. She just celebrated her first birthday. They had a birthday party in the gym yesterday. Can we give them a hand? I think there's her... Our little picture up there. She's a she's an adorable little girl, and we're so glad that you guys have come this morning. We'll just come over here into the light and try to find the light there, all right? And uh, and also we have coming up this morning is Jason and Chelsea Harrison are bringing Grant Oliver. Where's where are they at this morning? Come on up here, Grant Oliver. And, and Grant was born on on. Uh, the 29th of April 29th of 2016 and uh, Lynn was born on April 4th of 2017 and so we're thankful for these for these little ones that God has given us and that exciting look at what God is blessing the church he's bringing young families to, to God and he's bringing them with their babies and so this morning as as we stop and pause I, I just want to remind both of you as couples here this morning that we're dedicating your children but we're really dedicating you we're dedicating you as parents. We're saying, yes, we want your children to know God one day, that one day that they will open up their hearts and receive Jesus as their own personal Savior. But we're dedicating you as parents to, to raise them, to honor him and love him. And what better place to do that than here at the church, right? And so uh, the, we're, we're doing this out of a, a long tradition that we see in God's Word. Uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of 1 Samuel, um, there was a lady named Hannah. And Hannah and Elkanah could not have children. And so as they, as they were uh, going through this process, she would pray and pray and pray. And she, went, <laughs> she would go into the temple and she would pray. And, uh, and the priest even thought that she was drunk. And she just really wanted a baby. And I know that's the, 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 the your, your heart's cry was for one day that God would provide you a child. And he did. And one day for God to provide you a child. And he did. And I, I know especially with, uh, with Emily and Keenan, we, we went along your journey with you in our life group. And here today we see God has blessed you with this precious baby, precious baby, Lee Lynn. And uh, today I'd like to just uh, read to you what they did. After that baby was born, Hannah came to the Lord and asked God for a baby. God responded and God gave them a child. And then she brought the child back. She promised that she would give the child to God. And so this is what she did. She came to the temple and they stood in the temple and she prayed this. For this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And so that's okay. This is good. We love their noise, isn't it? Yeah, that's blessed noise. Let's give him a hand for that, you know? Both these guys, you know? I, I'm, I love the sound of children because it's a sound of growth in our church. That God is bringing young people to himself. And so this morning, I'd like to, uh, before we dedicate your children, just pray over them. I've asked Courtney Hodson, our children's ministry director, to, uh, to share. And we'll need a microphone for her. And uh, she's just going to share uh, and present you with a gift. We're just so thankful. familiar with these marbles now. You've seen them. I know Emily's very familiar because I made her cry at Mops not too long ago. Um, but what they are is 936 marbles for the time you have from the minute baby's born until they are 18 years old and graduate and leave your house. And it's just a visual reminder. So you put them in a jar and each week you take one out. 
and you know what happens with the jar. And so it's just a reminder to show that that's the time you have and time matters. And it really matters when you're raising these kids to know Jesus. So I just want to congratulate you both and I'm thrilled to have them be a part of our ministry and um, this little crayon eater. And so it's just a good time downstairs. We're teaching these kids about Jesus and that's what you're doing. And that's what they're doing. Church family saying, we're going to be here for you and we're going to help you to make sure that these kids know who God is and raise them up. And um, when they were old, they will not depart, right? So congratulations, guys. Take your marbles and enjoy them. (laughs) Keep them away from her because she'll eat them. Let's give our Courtney a hand. We appreciate Courtney, our children's ministry director. So today I know that uh, Keenan, you have family in from out, and Emily, you both have family from out of town. If you're family, if you're here with the Eglers, would you stand? We'd just like to welcome you today and uh, to say thank you for joining us. All right, let's thank these folks from out of town. Okay, you may be seated. And then, do you have family from out of town? If you're if you're here with with Jason and Chelsea, would you stand? We'd like to welcome you today to our service. All right, let's welcome these folks here. All right. This is awesome. We are, we are thrilled that uh, you are seeking God and want to raise your child to know and love God. So let me just pray for you and dedicate your children to the Lord, all right? Let's pray. Lord, I come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for, for Kenan and Emily, Lord. You have, uh, you've been growing them in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, we thank you for this gift that you have given to them, Lord. Children are an inheritance from the Lord. And Lord, we stop today and we say thank you. We pause and we say, yes, Lord, thank you for this inheritance from you, Lord. And God, we thank you for, for Emily, uh, for, for little Leland, Lord. We just lift up Leland to you and we dedicate her to you, Lord. We ask that one day she will open her heart to you, Lord, and will, will be a follower of Christ and, and that her parents will be dedicated to, to helping her be that follower of Christ, Lord. So we now, Lord, as, uh, as, as, in, as in 1 Samuel, when Hannah presented Samuel to you, she said, I give this child to the Lord. I present him to the Lord. Today, Lord, we present Lee Lynn to you, Lord. And we thank you for her. We thank you for these great parents that will love you and honor you. And I ask your blessing upon them, and especially on little Lee Lynn, as she grows in the, in the nurture of the Lord Jesus Christ in the days to come. And Lord, I come before you and I just thank you so much for Jason and Chelsea, Lord, and for little Grant. We just lift up Grant before you, Lord. We thank you for Grant. And uh, Lord, I, I thank you that this family's desire is to, to know you, to, to, uh, to bring their children up to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we as, as Hannah did with Samuel, we lift Grant up to you, Lord. And we thank you for Grant, and I ask you today, Lord, for, for Jason and Chelsea, Lord. We just thank you for them, and we just ask that you'll do great and mighty things in their life. Thank you for their, their desire to follow you, their desire to seek you, their, for what you're going to do in this family, Lord. And so, God, I, just, I give for both, to both these families, Lord. We give them to you, and we say thank you, Lord, for giving them to us. Lord, we know that every week when we come in here, it matters. And what we, do, what we do matters. And every week as they take those marbles and take them out of the jar and they see a visual that will seem like it goes nowhere at first. And then, then one day, they'll have an adult. I pray your blessing on them, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's give them a hand. We thank God for these families. We just give them one more hand. It's just excited here at Crossroads. Babies. Love them babies. They're so good. So I, I want to share with you a story about a woman here at our church. She, she shared this story with me, and she okayed this. And I talked to her, and I heard her heart, and it was powerful, and I thought it was just something that we needed to hear. She said, I sat in a chair just like you, you know, for years, and I heard uh, that there was an ask from the stage about we needed someone to, to help. With, uh, with the audio, the video, and the worship. And uh, she's like, I have no gifts, I have no talents in that area, but she felt the need, 
and she said yes and she's like hey I don't I don't know how to I can click a button and she told me last night she's like you would not believe what I've learned and you would not believe how many people I've had the opportunity to impact no special talent just a willing heart think about that check out this video a stranger and you invited me in I was sick and you looked after me I needed a teacher and you inspired me I was lost and you prayed for me I was addicted, and you helped me break free. I needed a mentor, and you were there for me. I felt alone, and you showed me true community. You helped me experience the joy of worship. You made me feel welcome and safe. You gave me the strength to keep going. You led me to Jesus. So here's my challenge to all of us. If you look in front of you or if you're up in the front seats, you could turn behind you. There's a connection card. And even if you're just like, I would like to know more, just write your first and last name and a best way to contact you, email or cell phone, and and check on the back. I want to learn more about serving at Crossroads. And we will give you a call. We'll email you. We'll contact you this week. And even just start having that discussion. I'm not going to stand up here and say we need 15 people, 10 people, 5 people for this. I just want to challenge us all to do something. To be that teacher that comes alongside two of these brand new kids who are coming up in this church to, to share the love of Jesus with them. To be someone in the parking lot who waves at somebody who's had the worst day, worst week that can make their day just a hair brighter. Somebody who can shake hands, somebody who can count money. We can send emails. I can vacuum one hour a week. There's so many things that we can do to serve as the body of Christ. And that's my challenge to you is that even if you're just thinking about it, I know sometimes we're in a season where we don't have a lot of time. I still want to challenge you. So just write your first last name on that connect card. Just leave it in the chair and we'll grab it after this service and we'll follow up with you this week and just start having that conversation. One more thing I want to highlight is on April 22nd, we're going to be having our Next Steps class, which is going to be right, uh, actually, it's most likely going to be downstairs somewhere. We'll let you know the location, but it's going to be right after our second gathering at 11. It'll be at 12.15 on April 22nd. You can sign up at the Next Steps area, or you can sign up online at our website. As the ushers come forward for our morning offering, as we consider just this idea of serving, I just want to read from you. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Everybody can do something. And that's my challenge for us this morning. Everyone can do something. And some of you are already doing something. But just give us that first and last name and a contact and we'll follow up with you this week. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you. We are so grateful just for this place, for this time, for this space. God, you're doing a work. You're moving in hearts, God. And and I'm just thinking about... um, just, just someone in my mind, God, who um, I know ha- is wrestling with her spouse's uh, salvation, God, just praying for him, God. I know someone's wrestling with grief, God. Just even as Zach mentioned, we know a couple uh, with their child and just the complications. God, I pray just for them they would see peace and find peace, God, just knowing that you're in control. God, we know there are hearts right now that are heavy from the past week, just with just deep hurt, God, with, 
with stuff going on at work, of frustrations, God, of just financial hardships. God, there are so many things going on. You know our story to the deepest part that we can't even articulate. And God, thank you that at the end of the day, no matter how we look at our lives, no matter what angle, we know we need a relationship with you, Jesus. So Jesus, we make you number one. You're the number one priority. You're our focus. You're our reason. You, you are everything. So we just focus on you, and we give now to that mission to see more people's lives transformed by Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us first. Amen.
we praise you in this place that we can say the tomb where soldiers watched is empty, that the battle in the grave was won. That you know exactly what we're facing, and that doesn't phase us or you at all, that we can cling to you, that you're there for us, and that we just pray this morning that you would soften our hearts as we hear your word. God, we, we want to know more of you, reveal yourself through your word. We love you and thank you for your son, Jesus. Today we're starting a new series entitled Collide, and it's uh, where his story meets your story. We've just come off of the, the great weekend of Easter, and what a great weekend that was, huh? Let's give our God a hand. What a celebration we've had here the past couple weeks, and uh, it, it, was, it was just an absolutely great week last week as we just, we were here every night. It was unbelievable. So I'm just thanking God for all those that served and helped. But uh, what, what an awesome time as we came off of Easter. And now we're going to be talking about how his story, the, the, the power of the resurrection, it's not something that we leave and, and just let it lay dormant at Easter. It's not something that we pull out and we dust off every Easter and look at the resurrection and say, wow, this is really cool. It's something that is our message every week. It's the reason that we're here every Sunday is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so as we're, as we're going to go through this series, we're going to look at how the resurrected Lord has changed people's lives. I'm pretty excited. Next week, we're going to have a, a, a speaker here. He's, uh, he comes to our church. His name is Eric McElvinney. And uh, Eric is a, is a great guy. He was, uh, he was in Afghanistan and lost a leg in Afghanistan serving as a Marine. And so he's going to be sharing with you. I'm going to have him share his story next week of, of how that Jesus interacted in his life. You don't want to miss it. I, I want to encourage you, bring a friend next week. It's going to be a great day as we just lift up Jesus Christ and look at how lives interact. You know, I, I look at uh, everybody has a story. You have a story where, where God's story met your story. There was a collision. There was a, a place where you collided, where you said, okay, this is a defining moment in my life. And you can go back and you can look at those defining moments. And I've told you before that my defining moment was, uh, it was with a donut, okay? It was, uh, I was a kid growing up in Pittsburgh, in Dormont, and they had these buses that came around and picked me up. I jumped on the bus. They said, you know, keep coming. We have donuts every week. So I kept going, and uh, it's the church's fault, right? So that's how I got into this mess. But uh, I've been here for a long, long time, so I've been seven years old. But as a little child, somebody said, hey, why don't you come to church? And so I started to come, and it was here that I found this Savior, Jesus Christ, how much he loved me, how much he cared for me, and how that he would help me with my life. It was a very real message, and I can tell you, I can take you downstairs and show you where that moment happened for me. I can show you and say, hey, look, this is where God turned the lights on for me, and now I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, and I've been a follower of Christ for that many years. But there's ups and downs, and you're dealing with things all over the place, and, uh, and then, you know, God has to keep working in our life. So it's not something that, oh, yeah, I did that, and this is done. It's like, this, this, is, this is a real life, a real uh, relationship with Jesus. And so we all have a story where we collide with God, where God does something, he gets in our life, and he does something pretty powerful. Uh, as, as we continue on, we're, we're picking up today with two disciples. We're going to pick up in uh, Luke chapter 24 with two disciples. And let me just set the stage for you here. Here's what's happened. There's, these two disciples are walking on a road to Emmaus. There was a town of Jerusalem and then Emmaus was seven miles away from Jerusalem. So they were heading probably likely home because what happened during this time of year was Passover. And so there were, there were thousands upon thousands of people that would converge on Jerusalem just to do their annual Passover, to, to, for, to go and make a sacrifice at the temple. So thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people came in. And, and, and the, here there were two disciples here. Uh, Jesus had a following, you know, there, you think of the 12 disciples, then there was the 70, then there's the 120, and then there was the, the 5,000, okay? So there were different levels of commitment that people had as far as following Jesus. So we know this about this, these were two disciples of Jesus, 
and they're walking, they're kind of down, they're depressed, because it's, it's not been a, uh, an exciting time for them. They were there in Jerusalem, and their master, Jesus, gets crucified. They were following him, and they thought they had other thoughts of what he would do. They thought, like on Palm Sunday, when they were waving the palm branches, and, and, uh, and all this excitement is coming on Palm Sunday, they, on Palm Sunday, they thought that Jesus was going to become the political hero. You know, we get excited about that, don't we, from time to time. You, get a, you might get excited about a political hero, and then we elect them. And then what? It's not too good, right? Uh, and, and, you know, it's like you, you get excited. Things come, things go. Uh, one guy promises change, he makes change, and then you don't like the change he makes. And so we have all these different things around politics. This was the setting. They were expecting Jesus to free Israel un- from the Roman oppression. So the Romans had oppressed the people. It, it, was, it was a terrible situation, and uh, they, they were looking to be free from the Romans. And so this was the mentality that people had. And so here we pick up here uh, what, what was actually happening. They were discouraged. They were filled with despair. And, uh, and they had lost the dream. And this morning as we look through this, I want you to think about your life and how God's going to interact into your story. I want you to think about the intersection that maybe you've already had or maybe God is intersecting right now. Because there are, there are things about our story that we get let down. For example, when we have the death of a dream. You see, for these two disciples that were walking the road, and like all the other disciples, it was the death of a dream. They had heard that their Messiah had been crucified. They know that he died. And now it's Easter Sunday, so it's, it's the very first Easter, that first day that Jesus has risen from the dead. Rumors are circulating about, and now these two, two guys are dealing with the death of a dream. Uh, the bridge to their future, the bridge to their ideal future, that had crumbled. So they're, they're dealing with all these things. And, and maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had a dream that, that didn't happen. You, you said, this is what I want life to be like, and this is where I'm planning life. And you had a dream, and, and man, you were dealing with a shattered dream. Or maybe you're dealing with a, a bridge to your future. Maybe there's something as you're, you're thinking about the, the next step of your life, you're thinking about the future. Man, as you're going through these things, they are hard. They are painful. That's where the disciples were, these two disciples. Luke 24, 13. That very day, Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They're walking away because they're depressed. It's a seven-mile journey. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. So I want you to think about the time of the journey. It's a seven-mile walk. And I'm just thinking if that were me on a seven-mile walk, it would probably be half a day, right? And uh, if, that would be the, uh, if that would be the Metcalfs, Debbie and Roger, they're our speed walkers, all right? They win all the races, it'd be like a half hour, right? So there's a little bit of time discrepancy there. But we know it's several hours probably, at least two-hour walk. And they're walking down maybe three hours, you know. And, and they're, they're, they're on this journey. And as they're walking, they're discussing what happened. That Jesus had been killed. And they're discussing the, the events that had happened. Verse 15, while they, were taking, uh, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. Went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. At this point, they, they, Jesus comes up, and I just, I, I just want you to visualize. Here's, here's two guys, they're walking down the road, and Jesus just kind of comes up and walks, kind of catches up to them. He's the risen Lord. He has risen from the dead at this point. If you look in Luke chapter 24, the first part shows other eyewitnesses. He's talked to Mary Magdalene, and, and, and there's been a few, few people he's talked to, and so the word is, is circulating about that Jesus has risen from the dead. But it's not, you know... Who's going to believe this yet? Not everybody's seen them. And so, so this is the situation. And they're walking down and they're discussing these things that even the rumors that, that Jesus had risen from the dead. So um, verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And we don't know why their eyes were kept from recognizing him. But we know that they did not recognize. Here's Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus with them, He has been beaten beyond recognition on the cross. He has been in a tomb for three days. And now he comes back to life again, and he kind of just sneaks up on them, and they don't realize it's him, so they think he's a stranger. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. 
Uh, what, what is this? So Jesus is trying to interact. He goes, I'm hearing you talk. What, what are you talking about? And Luke uses a, uses a term here. He's actually using the term, it's, it's to debate. When, when he says that they were talking with each other, uh, they were talking back and forth. They were throwing back and forth. It was like a debate. So these two are, are going over the details that like, how could these things be? So the disciples are facing shattered dreams at this point, And they desperately wanted to know why their expectations of the Messiah had come to such a tragic end. They had an expectation of the Messiah to be the king, that he would be bringing back the glory days of, of, of King David. They didn't recognize Jesus because they weren't looking for a suffering servant. You see, they couldn't see the, the depth of what Jesus was doing here because they were looking for the promises. Now, there are multiple promises in the Old Testament. We've, we spent some time, we, we went through and showed all the suffering servant, but there are also promises of the king. Uh, so Jesus would be the prophet, the priest, and the king. And so they're not seeing him yet as the king. And they're saying, kings don't die on a cross. Uh, king David, you would never have found King David dying on a cross. And, and so this is where they're at. Because they're looking for this promise to be fulfilled. And in the meantime, God fulfilled other promises. And God had a plan that was much bigger, but they could not yet see it. And so at this point here, uh, Luke is writing, and he gives us, it's called literary irony. And what that is, is he's telling you a detail that Cleopas and the other disciple, these two disciples, they didn't know. It's kind of like you're watching a movie. And it's like, you can see the action, but they haven't seen it. You know it's Jesus, but Cleopas doesn't. Verse, 20, uh, verse 18, then one of them named Cleopas answered and said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And Jesus says to them, What things? And, and, and they said to him, concerning, the, concerning of Nazareth, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And right there we find the source of trouble for Cleopas. You see, Cleopas had these lofty expectations that had not been met. And I think so many times in our life we get there. We have expectations of God. We have expectations of other people. We have expectations of life. And they're not being met sometimes. So this, this is a real struggle point. This is a, a, real, uh, a real place of, of, uh, of tension. And so, so they are dealing with us because they wanted to see Jesus be a social hero, a political hero, and they wanted to see him be an economic hero. But that would be just a tiny fraction of what Jesus was going to do. Jesus was about to blow the doors off their expectations. They had expectations for this, and Jesus was going to do something far greater. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't even see Jesus while he was talking to them. He's right under their nose. Uh, Luke 24, 21. But we had hoped that this was the one to redeem Israel. You see, here's their expectations. We're finding it. Their expectation was, we hope he was the one who was going to deliver Israel. And they're not thinking about their soul. You know why they're not thinking about their soul? Because they had a way to deal with that. They went to the temple. And they would, cruise, they, they, would, they, they would kill an animal and they would have a sacrifice, right? That's how they dealt with that. So they're saying, look, we already know about our sin. This Jesus is going to do something, something for us, like free us. He's going to redeem us. They weren't thinking redeem their soul. They're thinking redeem Israel so that we'll be free. And so, be, so, so he says, and yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. In other words, it's been three days and you haven't heard about this? We're, we're moving forward. Uh, verse 22, moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman said, but him they did not see. So, so they're trying to figure this out. They're like, wait a minute, Mary says, you know, the, the women are saying that, that he's alive and and, and we, we just don't, we're not sure what's all happened here. So they're getting all this data put together, but they, you know, we don't know anybody that's actually seen him. And so here's Cleopas, he's putting all the clues together without understanding the meaning. You, you see, he had facts, but he did not see what was plain to Jesus. Uh, he could not see what was plain, that it was Jesus. He had all the facts, he's trying to put all the facts together. And as he's dealing with the facts, he cannot see that this was Jesus. 
Now, we, we, don't, know, we don't know why they couldn't see it was Jesus. It's a, it's a thing called inattentional blindness. You ever heard of that? Inattentional blindness. If you go home and Google inattentional blindness, you'll see they have these little videos, and you can watch, and they'll have two teams. And it's like, how many times did the white team pass the ball? And so you'll be thinking about the, the white team passing the ball, and in the meantime, there's somebody dressed as a gorilla comes walking through the video. Then at the end, they'll ask you, did you see the gorilla? And you're like, no. Why? Because I was too busy counting how many times the white team passed the ball. Well, this is what happens with us. We can have inattentional blindness. Um, and I think that's what was happening here. They were focusing on the events, but they couldn't see the depth. I think men in general, we have to deal with this. It's called inattentional blindness, you know? Uh, it's, it's called in the middle of the football game. We're watching the football game, and your wife comes to you and says, do you like my new outfit? You're like, yeah, it's beautiful. You didn't even look at it, you know? Because, you know, if you said anything else, you'd be in trouble no matter what, right? But at that moment, especially, you're in the middle of the, in the, middle of the football game. It's like, you're not going to stop thinking about this next touchdown before you have to deal with your wife's dress. It's like, honey, you can talk to me about that later, right? It's inattentional blindness. We, we, we can't see what was right here in front of us because I'm staring at this TV. And so that's what was going on with the disciples. They, they had inattentional blindness. They, they couldn't see because their minds were overwhelmed and they're, they're going to the cross. They're going to their expectations that had not been met. Their viewpoint lacked a spiritual dimension. So they lacked the spiritual dimension. It was leaving them with a merely human understanding of the events. Uh, Jesus had a different understanding of the events. You you know, these guys, they said in verse 19, he says that Jesus was a a prophet. He was mighty indeed. Well, over in John 19, 11, Jesus told Pilate, as they were taking him through trial, he tells Pontius Pilate, he says, you would never, you would have no authority unless it has been given from above. You'd have no authority. The the authority is mine. It, It comes from God. And so what you're doing here, that authority was given to you by God. Then Jesus said, you know, there'd be no, you won't have that power. It comes from God. Peter, Peter said this over in Acts 2. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan has... You did it, Dan. Good job. Give him a hand. Way to go, Dan. You've got to love it. I'm going to have a case of batteries up here next week, folks. So. But anyhow, so, so he says, but God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out. That Jesus, when, when Jesus was betrayed, when the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross. He's telling these people that. He's saying, look, you, you thought you were taking matters into your own hands. No, no, no. God was unfolding a plan. Over in Acts 3.18, Peter again says, but God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer and die. Now, now you see, that's a different point of view. That's, that is a divine point of view. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worldview that's different. You're thinking from God's perspective. And they realize that the people that were playing a part. You go over and you read. Peter continues on. He says, listen, Pontius Pilate, Annas, Caiaphas. He goes, all these people, they were just footnotes. They thought they were the leaders. They thought that they were making history. They were just footnotes. They thought they were going to make history. Guess what? They were footnotes on the greatest history, the greatest story that's ever been told about a man who came to this earth who loved you, a God who came to this earth and died for your sins and came back to life again. And Pontius Pilate, he's just a little footnote. You hear all these people that were in the story. They're footnotes to the greater story of what Jesus did. And so what happened to Cleopas, he had, you know, he was, he was a follower. These, these are followers of Christ. So what happened to these guys? Well, they, they lost their divine perspective. 
And before we get upset about them losing their divine perspective, I want to encourage you to remember this principle. And this is a principle that I've watched through life. When life no longer seems fantastic, when our expectations crumble and dreams fade, it's easy to slide into a funk. I mean, it's just easy. We just slide down, we get down in the depths, and it's like this is no good. And everything around you begins to be no good. Why? Because your expectations were not met. I've been there. I understand that. You set a goal and it doesn't happen. What happens when you get into there? You, you get into this, I want to go into a cave. I want to hide. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with it. Why? Because I, I'm just so fed up because, man, I was striving for, for this and that didn't happen. And when, when, when my expectations don't happen, there's a big difference between my expectations and my reality. And so as we're looking here at your expectations and your reality, I want to encourage you to be thinking about, uh, about the, re- the reality is that we can easily go down. We can get depressed. We can get into that cave. And it's easy. But here's what happens. When we do that, when we, when we can't live up to our expectations, circumstances become our taskmaster. You, you look at your circumstances and you become a slave to your circumstances because you always have to change them. But when God's in charge, when you understand that he rules and he reigns, you don't have to be a slave to the circumstances. It doesn't have to work your way. God has a bigger plan. Uh, people, especially those who cause, us, uh, who cause us pain, they tend to stand taller than God. You know, when I was a kid, I used to look at the moon. I remember we were in a city. We weren't sure it was the moon or the street light, but uh, we knew it was the moon, Right? I remember as a kid, you could go over, and you could just look at that moon, you could take your thumb, and you could put your thumb up, and you could just block the moon out. Was my thumb bigger than the moon? No way. But you know what? At that moment, it appeared bigger. And when, our, when we're trying to live up to unmet expectations, our thumb appears bigger than God. Those people appear taller than God. The, the, the people that have hurt you, that have harmed you, it appears like God's not working. And you have, you, you're not able to see reality. And now your, your perception has changed. Your perception is skewed. Our vision becomes small. You only think about what happens here on earth. God has a plan for your life. It, it's so much bigger than the 90 to 100 years you get here. His plan is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And he's chosen to, to let you in on his plan now. He's chosen to include you into his story now. So I want to encourage you as you're looking at your life where it's colliding, maybe you're dealing with unmet expectations. Uh, our, our prayers seem to bounce off the wall. And it seems that God is removed from our pain whenever we're letting expectations be in charge. And God says, remember, who's in charge here? You can look at life through your box and, and this is what happens. We tend to want to put God into our box and say, okay, God, as long as you do what I say, you'll be my God. And God's saying, oh, if you could only understand. You're in my box. And I'm going to be God whether you choose me to be your God or not. So you can, you can work with me, but don't put me in your box and treat me like your dog. See, that's what we do to our dogs, right? We tell our dog, oh, good little puppy. Give me your paw and you give him a treat, right? That's not how we treat God. Well, God, if you do what I want you to do, then I'll be your follower. And you see, this is where Cleopas was at. These two disciples, they're they're, they're heartbroken. Their expectations are down. And here's Jesus still speaking as a stranger. Verse 25, he says, he says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted, uh, he inter- interpreted to them all the things that the scriptures said concerning himself. And so Jesus exposes this idea that their own agenda determined their expectations. You see, when you're living by your own agenda, and that determines your expectations. And then you're, you're missing the point of life. God has a plan for your life. He has a future. He's going, he wants to do great things in your life, but it's according to his plan and not your plan. And so as long as you cling to your own agenda, you will remain blinded to the reality of what God is in the process of creating in your life. 
As long as you cling to your own agenda, you will remain blinded of the reality of what God is processing in your life. God made a new covenant. He said uh, it was on the cross, that covenant, and that, that what he did on the cross was far greater than liberating Israel for a few years. It was far greater than anything political or social. On the cross, Jesus paid the price once for all forever. And people died. Jesus died on the cross. He came back to life again. And now every human being, every human that's ever lived, can have the opportunity to trust Jesus or reject Jesus. And so he says the opportunity is there for you to, to trust him. And so here's what it is. It's a matter of releasing your expectations. You have to release your expectations. We hold on so tightly to these things, don't we? But God wants us to release them because he's in charge. And may I encourage you to do this, to let go, to visualize your hand. Here it is. You're, you're holding on to life so hard. In the meantime, God says, I have eternal life. I have your future. I have everything. Will you relax? Will you relax? And here's what I do. Oh, it didn't go my way today and I'm angry. He says, will you relax? Will you open your hands? And I want to give you a little little way to pray. You can pray like this. Lord, I am willing, and open your hands to him. Let go of your expectations. Lord, I am willing to receive what you give, to lack what you withhold, to suffer what you allow me to suffer, and to be what you require. You see, that's what God wants us to do. Just come to him. Let go. Man, I want this best for my kids. I want this for my family. I want this for my career. And it didn't happen that way. And God says, trust me. Just let go and let me be the provider into your hand. Let me take care of you. Oh, he took them through. He, uh, beginning, verse 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, the things concerning Jesus. He went through and he said, look here, over in Exodus, that was, that was referring to Jesus, the Passover. Jesus was the Passover lamb. And he took him through Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. Jesus, they don't know it. They think he's a stranger. He's walking them through and saying, this was the Messiah. This was the Messiah. This was the Messiah. Luke 24, 28. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And, and this would have been customary in that day. You wouldn't leave a stranger out to continue traveling in the dark like this. They heard the reports. They heard all the facts. They simply didn't believe with their whole hearts the resurrection. They were walking away from Jerusalem. Had they believed the resurrection, they would have been going back to Jerusalem. Uh, they, they, they would have accepted the trials and the crucifixion as fulfillment of the promise, not the end of their hopes. Look here at what Jesus does, though. Verse 30, he takes them and he reveals to them, and they finally believe in the resurrected Lord. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Wow. He takes the bread, and we don't know why all of a sudden they recognize him, but it's a moment of engagement. And this is where his story met their story. And this is where the moment of collision happened. They made Christ personal. And I want to encourage you today, choose to view life through God's eyes. That's what Cleopas had to come. They had to choose what God's plan was, not their plan. Surrender your expectations. Surrender it all to Jesus. Give, give him your expectations and acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus and stake your future on it. Stake your future on it because if Jesus is alive, then this is not the end, guys. This is not the end. And if you didn't get the promotion and if, if things didn't go your way, guess what? This is not the end. This is a temporary place that we are living and we are not here forever and one day you will die and one day you will get to go to heaven if you'll trust the master trust the resurrected lord but it's all about trusting him it's not about you working your plan it's not about you gaining his favor by being a better person it's all about trusting this lord luke 24 32 they said to each other did not our hearts 
burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scripture. Today, I want to encourage you to, to, to come to Christ. To, to, to stop trying to make the self-made life. The self-made life is so attractive, but you know what? It's so busy, and it gets us not looking at Jesus. The self-made life is what I can do. How can I, I can make my life better? How can I do this? How can I? In the meantime, I have totally lost vision of Jesus when I'm in those moments. So I want to encourage you today to, to surrender the self-made life to the, to the resurrected Lord. Say, God, this, here's my hands. I'm open. I'm letting go of my expectations. And I'm going to trust that you rose from the dead. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I'd like to invite you to Jesus. I'd like to invite you to trust him. He is, he is the resurrected King of kings, the Lord of lords. And today, all you have to do is open your heart and come to him, just like Cleopas did. Cleopas and the, the other disciple, they came before Christ and they said, you know, they, they didn't recognize him, but when they had that engagement, when they, they made it personal, they were no longer believing in a dead Jesus. They were believing in a live Jesus. And today I want to invite you to believe in a live Jesus. To like sell your soul out to him, to give your heart to him and say, Jesus, if you're really alive, I'm giving my heart to you. Because you really are alive. And if that's you today, would you just... Respond to him. He says, the Apostle Paul told us, but if you would believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you would be saved from the punishment of your sin. So today I invite you to just respond to Jesus and pray to him something like this. Dear God, I am a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross, you paid for my sin. And I invite you into my life right now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And I invite you in now, Lord. And for others in this room this morning, maybe you need to wrestle with God. Maybe you've been wrestling with him about your expectations on life, the things that you're dealing with, and and let it go to God. And surrender. And open up and watch God's greater plan for your life because he has so much more than you could imagine. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Be with your people as we respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So wherever you are, I would like you to stand up and declare this out to God this morning. Here.